My beloved in Jesus Christ, our Lord. As I shared with the flock last night, things just keep going from bad to worse, it seems like. I mean, as if the last two years weren't difficult enough that we had to deal with, with all the viruses and the loss of family and friends because of the result of it. And then we had all the riots in our city and cities elsewhere. And now what we find what's happening in Ukraine. So we pray this liturgy for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. Remember, that's, we have an eparchy there. A lot of our priests come from the Ukraine. And they have families there. and They're quite worried about their families. And so it's just like, will it ever end? And maybe you find even now, you know, I'm having even difficulties and strife within my own family. My immediate family. My extended family. My friends. My co-workers. What is going on? Why is there no end to this? Well, we hear on this Sunday, why? This Sunday is called Forgiveness Sunday, and where we ask everyone for forgiveness before we go into the great fast. But it has another name, an older name, and it's called the Expulsion Sunday of the Expulsion of Adam from Paradise. And you heard a little glimmer of this this morning in the opening hymn while the great sensation was taking place. But at Vespers last night, we hear more details of what was going on. And so I'm going to read some of it. This was at the Stichiria at Vespers that we sing. My Creator and Lord has formed me from the clay of the earth. And he has given me a soul by his life-giving breath. He has made me ruler of all things, visible and invisible upon the earth, and made me a companion of angels. The glory that you and I have been created for, to be companions with angels, to live a life in paradise without harm or evil, and to converse with God. That's what you were created for. But Satan has used the serpent as a trap and has deceived me with this bait. He has separated me from the glory of God and delivered me over to the earth and to death. With that one action of disobedience, a lack of strength, of self-control from fasting from the tree, sin into the world, and because of sin, death. And so now we'll hear from Adam's point of view. Alas, I have been stripped of my divine garment, that garment of incorruptibility, that robe of glory that was his, to be able to be a companion with the angels, to be able to go, live and walk in the garden without harm, and to have converse with God. I've been stripped of my divine garment by transgressing your commandment, O Lord, and by following the counsel of the enemy. I am now clothed with fig leaves and the garment of skin. I am clothed with fig leaves and the garment of skin. 
The fathers talk about how we were in the garden. There was no corruption. There was no corruptibility of our skin. We didn't shed hair. We didn't shed skin. Leaves and plants didn't die. Oh, yes, we ate of the fruit of the garden, but even there was no corruption in the stomach. It was a pristine world. Death was not known. But because of the transgression, we received a garment of skin now. One that would shed, one that would become sick, and that could suffer and feel pain and death. I have inherited a garment of skin when I once had the robe of immortality, the divine robe. I now eat my bread by the sweat of my brow. I didn't even know the work of labor in the garden. Now I get fatigued and I get exhausted. And what's worse, because of my fault, the earth is condemned to bring forth thistles and thorns. Thistles and thorns were unknown. All that came about was for the beauty and for man's glory to eat, to, to enjoy. But now we have to work by the sweat of our brow. And we have to constantly fight back thorns and thistles from our handiwork when we grow. What happens now, our prayers ask. Adam says, Adam was banished from paradise because of the forbidden fruit. He sat before the gate sighing and lamenting. Sighing and lamenting. Alas, woe is me, what is happening to me? I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord, and now I am deprived from every blessing. O paradise so delightful, you were planted for me, and now you are closed because of Eve. Beseech your Creator, who has also fashioned me, to fill me with the fragrance of the flowers once again. And the Savior said to him, I do not desire the destruction of my creation. Rather, I wish it to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. We are on the precipice of the great fast. We are experiencing, experiencing the beginning of a great war. I pray God not. But accidents can happen. Things can come worse in a heartbeat. All these things begin to happen because of one thing. Sin. You can say, what was the source of the COVID? What was the source of this? What was the source of my family strife? What is even the source of the war that's going on? I'm going to tell you, it's sin. It's a, it's a spiritual problem, not a political problem. Your political issues, your cultural issues, all these things are a manifestation of sin. Because sin brings brother against brother. And is the fruit of him, Adam, lamenting? What's the first thing that happens in the garden? Brother slays brother. Because no longer can one control one's own will. We let our passions run wild. And now we're reaping the fruits of it. Even creation is caught up in the demise of our sinfulness. 
because we are all interconnected. Our sinful actions have a direct effect on others. And one man sins, it affects another. St. Paul uses the analogy of the body, does he not? I know me when I sprained my ankle one time and I was favoring it, and the next thing I know, my opposite knee started hurting. And then my opposite hip started hurting. So everything starts to get affected because of one thing. And the same was with you and I. And we may try to justify it away and say it doesn't exist, but it does. Why? Because you and I are baptized into Christ. We are of the same body. And one part of the body is afflicted, the rest of the body feels its problem, feels its pain, feels its suffering. And so now, even in the Ukraine, we've got both sides, Ukrainian and Russians, both Christian countries, both crying out to the same mother of God, both having the icon of Our Lady of Protection out, both lighting lamps, lighting candles. But the devil, we hear, the serpent, has a way of wiggling in and distorting the truth. And because of that, and because we have no self-control, sin enters, brother slays brother, and we have thorns and thistles and death. And so on this edge of the great fast, what a rough start, we too are very much grieving and lamenting. But God has given us a hope. And this is what we very much must cling to and put our energy into and lean into. As brother began to slay brother and things got out of hand, Eventually, the time was right when God brought out Moses and the Israelites. And he would begin to teach them about the laws. They didn't know what sin was. They just did what everyone else was doing. As long as I got away with it, it was okay. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But God says, no, now this is sin, and he gave us the commandments. Now you have something to judge your life by, something to base it by. And then I'm going to give you something that's part of that, and that's liturgy. I'm going to teach you how we overcome this, how you lament, how you direct your lament, and how it brings about healing and forgiveness. And he began with the most rudimentary, and that was the offering of bulls and goats. But then when the fullness of time come, he would bring his son, and his son would take the place of all the bulls and the goats, and he would be the perfect offering. And he would take all the sins that you and I have upon himself and nail it to the cross. Knowing full well that you and I could reject him at any time. I'm going to lay down my life for you, and I know very well that multiple times throughout your life you're going to deny me in your thoughts, words, and deeds. But I do it nonetheless because I love. I don't just love the good people, I love the bad people too, the ones that don't know right from wrong. I love them. He loved Judas. It broke his heart. And so now you and I, through his gracious gift and the sacraments that he left behind, his presence he left behind, we have liturgy in which we can bring our lament, offer it to the Son, 
and the Son can give us forgiveness, and we have that communion again, we start to restore what Adam destroyed in the garden. But, like he did with Moses, he gives us the rules, something to judge and gauge ourselves by. And one of those great ones is love your enemies. It's easy to love my, my family. It's easy to love my neighbor. But wow, to love the one that's trying to hurt me? Jesus says many times that our, our gauge by which we love God, we show our love for God is how we show our love for one another. So we can be all pristine in our homes and we can pray great prayers and say how deeply we love God. But the minute we walk out and see someone who causes us strife and the hackles on the back of our neck start to stand up, well, then you know you don't really love God that way. You don't love others unconditionally. And how you love others is a direct reflection of how you love God. So, during this time of the great fast, we pray and lament, but we do it in the context of liturgy because the fathers, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have given us words that we can draw upon that express what's going on in our hearts, to express what's going on around us, and gives us a focal point of who to direct it to, the Son. And we have the insurance, the assurance that the Son hears our laments, hears our petitions, and brings about our forgiveness and heeding that comes with it. We each here this morning can make a difference throughout the world. I've been reading now, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? You know, send money, send more arms, send this, send that. But they fail to see the bottom line the one that caused it all, the lack of forgiveness, the lack of love, the lack of humility, all those things that were opposite of what Adam had in the garden. So we, with the power of the Holy Spirit, baptized into Christ, have to start. And if we start, it starts to affect the rest of the body of Christ. You may not see it, agreed. But it's got to start somewhere. And it's the only way that's going to bring about a change. Because all the political maneuvering isn't going to do it. All the arms and financial assistance isn't going to change anything. The underlying problem will still be there, and it will raise its ugly head in another way. The only way to cut it at its roots and get rid of it is through forgiveness. And forgiveness from the heart, holding nothing back. Even forgiving those who have wronged us. Not that it makes the wrong right, or that's okay, we just sweep it under. But we're not held hostage to it anymore. We're not held by the, the, the shame or the guilt. So on this Sunday began forgiveness. We will have a prayer for the Ukraine. We tonight after, or after liturgy this, this morning. And then on March sec, uh, 3rd, I think that's Wednesday, the Metropolia, the Ruthenians, will join with the Romans and we're going to Roman Catholic Church and have a day of strict prayer and fasting, abstinence and prayer for peace. We're hearing the gospel what to do to pray. 
So let us pray with earnest. To fast, let us fast with purpose. And to give alms in the name of those in need. We've been given everything we need to overcome this. And if the entire Christian world, if everyone baptized into Christ would do this, the world would be changed. But currently, whether they like it or not, or want it or not, we've got baptized Christians fighting baptized Christians. It's got to end. Forgiveness and mercy has to reign. And it begins here at St. John's. Be sure to ask for one another forgiveness. And all those you meet, ask for forgiveness. And offer it. If you know you've done something to harm someone, even if they don't know it, offer forgiveness in some capacity. But forgive, forgive, forgive. Right? Isn't that the whole preaching of Christ? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. Why repent? Because it brings about the awareness of the need of forgiveness. Why did he hang on the cross? To forgive sins. How many times does he say to forgive? Not seven times, but 77 times? Adam was expelled from paradise because he couldn't control himself. Christ came to restore. But our participation in this restoration relies on one thing, on how we love our neighbor. And that is predicated on how we forgive and how we allow ourselves to be forgiven. So as we step out tomorrow morning into the great fast and we lament the condition that we find ourselves in, just as Adam did when he was expelled, we lament with hope. We lament with the fact that we know how to bring the change about, starting with myself. Through forgiveness, humility, and repentance. This will bring about a change, even if it's one person at a time. But this will bring about a real change. And then at Pascha, that light will seem even brighter when we sing out, Christ is risen. Because we will have learned to love our neighbors even more than we love ourselves. We'll learn to have loved our neighbors with Christ's love. As we go out, we have all the reason for hope. And that's what gives me the greatest joy in the midst of it all. And yes, it's heartbreaking. Because our brothers and sisters in the Lord are dying. And we sitting here can't actually physically stop it. You know, I can't go there and pull the people apart. But I have absolute confidence in the power of prayer, that the power of prayer is more powerful than a bullet. The power of prayer is more powerful than $350 million sent. Otherwise, we don't have a God that we're sitting here professing we have. He told us in the flesh to be not afraid. In the world, he said, you will have troubles, but fear not, I have conquered the world. Now is the time for us to take a stand within ourselves. Am I going to believe this is true God?
take him at his word and do what I'm asked to do. Live a life of conviction, of confidence, of love and forgiveness, working on myself, knowing that what I, any improvements I make in myself directly has effect on my neighbor. Or are we just going to fall into despair and fall into the act of sin where we get angry? Righteous anger is okay, but the anger that we want to annihilate our brother, that's a different thing. So now's the time that you're being called on the carpet by our Lord. What kind of a God is He to you? What kind of a God is He to you? For me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We'll put all our trust in Him. And I find great confidence in my brother priests that are sitting there in the Ukraine While others are fleeing, they're staying there, taking care of those who can't go. They have confidence in God too. Could they lose their life? Absolutely. But we're destined for a greater life, one that is to come. But we have to stand up and show hope. We have to stand up and show where the light is. The light is Christ. And that light of Christ is in each and every one of us. So share that light of love and joy and peace and confidence that he can do all things. We'll now pray for those for deliverance of the Ukraine in a time of trouble. Let us attend with compunction heart, compunctionate hearts having inclined our necks and bodies. Let us pray to the Lord. O God of powers and God of our salvation, O God, who alone work wonders, look down with mercy and compassion on your humble servants, and out of love for mankind, hearken and have mercy on us and on the land of Ukraine. For behold, enemies once have once more gathered together in order to cause division and enmity. But you know all things, understand that they are, have arisen up unrighteously, and that it will be impossible to oppose their multitudes unless you show us your help. Therefore, we who are sinful and unworthy pray unto you in repentance and with tears. Help us, O God, our Savior, and deliver the land of Ukraine from the sake, for the sake of the glory of your name, that the enemy may not say their God has forsaken them, and there is none to deliver and save them. But let every nation understand that you are our God, and we, your people, are always protected on your, under your domain. Reveal your mercy, O Lord, and let this word spoken by Moses unto the people of Isaiah be applied to us. Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, for the Lord shall fight for us. Work for us a sign of good, for good, that they who are filled with hatred may see our orthodox faith and be humble and shaken. Yes, O Lord God, our Savior, and our strength and hope and help, Remember not the transgressions and the unrighteousness of your faithful people and turn not away from us in your anger. But visit your mercies and compassion upon your humble servants, those who fight in defense of Ukraine and her much-suffering people. Outnumbered though they be and hear us who fall down from your deep compassion. With your mercy enlighten and make glad the hearts of the civil authorities and strengthen them by your might. Raise up to their help and lay low the evil counsels proposed against them by the enemy. Judge them that provoke and make war and turn the impious boldness into fear and flight. 
but grant unto the just and God-fearing armies of the children of Ukraine great boldness and courage to advance and overtake them and to defeat them in their name, and unto them that you have judged to lay down their lives for faith and country, forgive their trespasses, and in the day of righteous reckoning grant unto them incorruptible crowns. For you are the health and victory and salvation of them that put their hope in you, and unto you do we send up glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. And in true reality, we should be paying for Russian too, because those people, I'm sure they don't want a war. You know, that's the ugly thing. Nothing's achieved in any of it. So we pray for them too, even for the soldiers. The soldiers that are there in Russia are fight, that are fighting are doing just like what our soldiers would do. If we told them to go, they would go. But imagine what's in their heart. Imagine they have family on the other side, and they too are praying to the mother of God. So we ask the mother of God to protect us all, and that we ask them, the mother of God, to get the enemy to depart, the one who's coercing and misleading the people. That's the problem, and that's what we pray for. And we do that through our own forgiveness and our own repentance.